So we've got a raccoon family um, in the living room wall slash ceiling. This is an image of the living room. And this part here is a thermal image. So we're on the outside, but this is the inside where the babies and raccoon is. So it's approximately right where I have the ladder set up. So what we're gonna try first is we're gonna try pulling off the soffit panel, maybe some siding uh, to avoid cutting a hole in their living room. Um, most likely this will work, but if not, then we'll have to cut the drywall. These ones are probably only a couple weeks old. So we've got a heated bottom uh, baby box, which we're going to put right beside the entry point up on the roof, uh, along with all the babies. Uh, so that way, when the mom comes out, uh, she'll see the babies right away. The rest of the house is already protected against the raccoon, so she's gonna move them somewhere else. I'm Catherine Mazzone here on behalf of Mojo Streaming, and I'm very proud to announce our guest for today, Bill Dowd of Skedaddle Humane Wildlife Control. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Great to be with you. Yeah, so we were just chatting briefly before we started about the difference between humane and relocation. And I'm just going to jump right into it because apparently that's one of the biggest misperceptions that people have about your business. Right, exactly. Most people assume that if they have an, a problem with an animal in their attic, in their chimney, underneath their deck or shed, the solution is to set a trap, trap it, take it away and out of sight, out of mind. That is furthest from the truth. There's so many urban wildlife in our cities nowadays. They're not going anywhere. In fact, their numbers continue to rise. Uh, for example, research has shown in a, in a square mile, there could be anywhere from 15 to 50 raccoons. Uh, same with skunks. I mean, squirrels could be in the hundreds in, in different parts of the country. So the real solution is, is not to trap all these animals and take them away because 70% of relocated animals die. Once again, documented studies have indicated this. The real solution is to first off, humanely get them out, keep the family unit, the babies with the mother, and then animal proof the structure. You know, that's the real long-term solution as a homeowner. Wow, that sounds really challenging. So it, how would you, I mean, how would you even go about keeping that family unit together? I guess we're going to have to get into the details. Sure, sure. So how we get, keep the family unit together this time of year, it's baby season. So we'll see baby raccoons from and baby squirrels from, you know, the end of February all the way through to the end of June. So it's a wide birthing season. They all don't give birth at the same time. Um, so what we'll do is we'll do a hands-on removal, which means we go up into that attic space, crawl around through that insulation, physically chase or force the mother animal out, 
pick up the babies in our hands and then we take them back outside and then we have this baby reunion box which is basically a box that is heated especially for for baby raccoons because they'll mothers will run away and they'll need to stay warm at nighttime when the temperatures drop the heat keeps the babies warm and this allows the mother to pick those babies up and carry them away to one of her alternate den sites now all urban wildlife to survive in the city environment have seven to 10 den sites. So it's not like that raccoon is walking down the street and putting those babies on the roof and chewing a new hole. She already knows that, oh, there's another chimney. I've been in there before. I can go in there. Here's another house. I've been underneath the deck. I can go there. So they are actually flourishing in our cities because two reasons. One, we're giving them the food sources, meaning you know everybody puts their garbage out the night before when animals are out foraging for food. And two, our homes, we're leaving our chimneys unscreened, vents on our roofs unscreened. We're given the opportunity to grow in numbers in an urban center. If it's going to an alternate den site and that den site happens to be in someone else's home, what happens then to the animal? I mean, we don't know whether it survives or not. They might not be so kind at that other home, or it sounds like you're almost pushing it out, but have it has no place so how well, does that work yeah the, the secondary den sites raccoons and squirrels they all frequent those areas it's not like they just use one home all the time so for example if a raccoon is out foraging for food in the middle of the night and it's you know two blocks away and daybreak is 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 about to arrive or sun's about to arise uh that raccoon is not going to walk through people's backyards or down the middle of the street to go back to their home two blocks away they're gonna say oh i have this other attic over here that i know i've already made a hole i'm just going to slip into that area so they have these multitude of den sites and you know that's just how they flourish in our city environments um so it's kind of when they give birth in, in a particular person's attic it's just that homeowner was the unlucky one that that female was ready to give birth and she just happened to be spending that day that day in that attic and gave birth in that attic i see so it could be that someone else it becomes someone else's problem but hope we're hoping that they have enough sites to where it doesn't have to necessarily be someone's home that they're moving into right because they they might have another den just closer by that's actually under a bridge or something right right they just have these den sites and and you know nowadays you know 30 34 years ago when i started this business there was more people ah just just shoot it i think now society's kind of come along that people are more uh tolerant of having wildlife in in their yards and and they enjoy maybe they see a nice fox run through their backyard so people are more societies come around that they're more tolerant of this and they realize that yes these animals are in our city you know they are wild animals you know keep your distance and if you don't want to have a problem animal proof your home you know put the screens on your chimney put the screens on your vent you know nowadays every single home there's anywhere from 35 to 50 items that are vulnerable for raccoons, squirrels, skunks, birds, bats, mice. So, you know, if you really, you know, be proactive, you know, as a homeowner, you know, take a look around your house, you know, hire a company to come out and animal proof that structure. So you don't have to worry if you see that fox, you see that skunk, you see that squirrel, you know, you know, your home is protected. Yeah, it sounds like your business is as much about education as it is about, I guess, 
taking action. Yeah. Exactly. How much we're, of... con- we're constantly educating the public as you know, our, our, our corporate call center that answers for all of our, our franchise locations across Canada and the U S we'll get anywhere from three to 400 phone calls a day and virtually every single phone call the homeowner says, you know, I have a squirrel in my, my chimney. I have a squirrel in my attic. Come out and trap it and take it away. So, you know, we need to educate them why, you know, that is not a viable, ethical, or humane solution. You know, because, you know, if you're going to trap, you can buy your own trap. Now we're in a birthing season. You trap that mother squirrel or mother raccoon and take it away. You have babies that are left to die in your attic or in your wall cavities. And, you know, every year we get these calls. It's, it's very disturbing. Um you know, if the animals do die, it's a lot more expensive because, you know, if the animal dies down a wall cavity, all you walk in that front door, you smell death. And, you know, then we have to start cutting holes in all the walls trying to find these dead animals. So it's, it's, it's a lot more uh, economical to get the animals out when they're alive than trap that mother female, that lactating female and take her away. Cause then that's just a death sentence for those babies. Yeah. Um, it, are there instances where you find the babies, but not the mother and you have to figure out how to reunite them then? Uh, yeah, there is those cases where we'll go to a job site, especially, um, with squirrels being, uh, active during the daytime. So we'll go into that attic. We'll crawl around. We don't find the mother squirrel. So we'll just take those babies out. The thing with urban wildlife, they are fantastic mothers. So when we take those babies out, we have some tricks of the trades that we teach all of our franchise locations that to, uh, to allow that mother to hear those babies. And she knows that's her den site. She knows that's where her litter, her babies are. So she will come back and pick them up and then we'll do follow-up visits to ensure that, that that's a success rate. Wow. So you're obviously successful with this because you have franchises and and lots of locations across North America, it sounds like. Uh, Is this, I mean, it it seems kind of revolutionary and simple at the same time. Is this something that you've, that you just thought up one day? How did this come about? uh, Yeah, it kind of started uh, back in, in 89, 90, 91, 1991, when there was a viral strain of rabies called raccoon rabies that was coming up the east coast of the U.S., started in Florida and was slowly working up the east coast towards Canada. So our, our corporate office is in, is in just outside of Toronto. Um, so, you know, in the early days, my first couple of years in business, we used to, you know, same thing. We never trapped. We would chase that mother raccoon out. We had to catch her. We'd bring her back to, back then it was my, my house and we had holding pens and we'd feed the mother, feed the babies, trying to calm them down. We take them out to the woods and let them go. But then the government made it illegal in, in Ontario to, to relocate animals because of the viral strain of this rabies. So we didn't want to take an animal from say, you know, Toronto to Hamilton, you know, an hour away and, and release it or 40 minutes outside the city and, and let it go. So we said, we can need to change our methodology. So, you know, we then said, okay, we, we're going to release these animals on site. So we had to, you know, explain that to the homeowner that it's better to keep this animal in this neighborhood. This is her domain. You know, she knows your home is a den site. We're going to make it animal proof. We're going to give you a lifetime guarantee. So if we spend eight hours animal proofing your home and that raccoon gets back in, it's on our nickel to get it out. Um, 
so we focused on that and educated that homeowner that raccoon is going to stay in the neighborhood. It's going to help keep out, you know, strange raccoons. You know, every neighborhood allows, as I said, anywhere from 15 to 50 in the neighborhood. So she's going to be kind of be a protector of your neighborhood. We'll make certain she can't get in and any other raccoons can't get in and you have our, our lifetime guarantee. So um, a lot of educating goes on. As I said, most people just think trap and relocate and out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, we have to explain to them that there's a lot more ethical and humane solution to deal with with urban wildlife. And hockey before this, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I, uh, trying to imagine like hockey, wildlife, hockey. You were already yeah. a wildlife fan, I'm guessing. Yeah, I grew up with, you know, cats and dogs and gerbils and fish. And, you know, so I always had a, a respect for, for animals. And yes, I did have a, a, a short lived professional hockey career. And um, there was no real uh, allocation, you know, other than, you know, I was I was young and I was physical and, you know, climbing up and down roofs and running around rooftops. And, you know, it was a fun and interesting job. And, um, you know, I, I was my own boss. I could work when I wanted to work and not work. And then I, I developed all these systems and procedures and marketing and technology. And, you know, I have some great people that, that have worked with me and have been with me for 20, 25 years. And we've kind of grown the business together. And, you know, now we're, we're bringing this opportunity we'd like to see our methodologies you know across across america because you know whenever we have a franchise lead for any city denver chicago pittsburgh when i look all of our competition is you know 30 years behind us they're still setting traps and relocating so typically whenever we go into a marketplace we're coming in with a, a unique and a different methodology and slowly but surely, all these people that are out there trapping and relocating animals, they see there's a more viable and a, and a better way to do things, which is, which is our hands-on removal uh, techniques that we use. I'm just trying to imagine y'all running around a house. It's kind of amusing in my head uh, because those buggers are fast sometimes, right? Um, what if you go in on the other hand and you don't find any animals? I mean, does this take multiple visits to, to get them out? Yeah, sometimes it does take uh, two or three visits. So we, we ask that homeowner to kind of work with us, to partner with us. You know, are you still hearing noises? Are you not hearing noises? You know, keep us informed. Uh, because in an attic space, it's not like a, an animal is in your living room where we have the upper hand. I'm, you know, we're walking around. We can put a net on a, a raccoon or squirrel because that does happen. They come down a chimney and open up the damper and, you know, run right through the living room. Um, when they're in an attic environment, we're, you know, crawling on our hands and knees and on our bellies. And so there's a lot of hiding spaces in an attic space. So um, there is times where we don't see an animal. So we have developed what we call as our, our one-way door, which we can install over the entry point, which allows the animal to exit, but then he can't get back in. So we can use that at certain times of the year because we don't want to be separating a mother from babies because when that happens, a mother raccoon or a mother squirrel or a mother skunk, they can be extremely, extremely destructive trying to get back into a home. Like just amazing the damage they can do because you know you get an upset mother she'll do whatever she can to get back to her baby so um there's a lot of tips and techniques that you know we we instill and train with our, our franchise uh owners i see uh ex i just want to get a little background what um what's your background what's your degree in i saw you graduated from brock uh, yeah. Yes, I went to 
Rock University, which is in St. Catharines, Ontario, just outside of Niagara Falls. I have a degree in physical education. So, um, you know, I I didn't have a biology degree or a science degree, you know, but I understood uh, customer service. And, you know, I I knew that, you know, um, we, you know, we don't compete on price. We compete on customer service. I am going to give my company or franchise are going to give you the best customer service ever. You know, we're going to show up on time. We're going to do what we want. We're going to do what we say we're going to do. We're not going to overpromise and under deliver. So, you know, I, I've built a team, you know, my skills are, you know, growing the business and developing the methodologies and whatnot, but, you know, surrounding yourself with good people, you know, proper accountants and managers and supervisors and marketing people, you know, building a team because as a business owner, you can't do everything, you know, do what you do well and, you know, hire the rest. So, yeah, um, you know, I didn't... Uh, this was kind of my third, third, third career. You know, at first I was going to be, a, or I was a pro hockey player. I went back to school. I was going to be a, a, a phys ed teacher, you know, didn't get it in teacher's college, just kind of fell in this wildlife world and, and really enjoyed it. And, and, you know, here, here we are 30, 34 years later and, and still growing every single year. How, how is this more effective I mean, it's obviously more humane. Would you say that it's comparably effective as effective as dispatching? And I hate to say that because it's a euphemism and it's killing animals. With, you know, relocating or dispatching animals, you know, nature's a vacuum, you know, in every urban center, every city block or a few blocks, there's a whole ecosystem right in that area, which will allow the, the population to survive based on food sources and dense sites. So if you're relocating an animal or dispatching an animal, that's reducing the population. And every year, you know, we'll have homeowners that say, oh, I've trapped 20 squirrels for the past 20 years every year, and I still have squirrels in my backyard. It's like, that's a great hobby. You keep on doing it because every time you take an animal out of that, that little ecosystem, that allows outlaying animals to then move in. And there's more dense sites, there's more food sources, and once again, there's been documented studies that show this, that the population will actually increase by 30% because the mothers that move into that area with more dense sites, more food sources, instead of having litter size of three or four babies, they might have five or six. So the population actually increases. So you want to keep that ecosystem balanced. Um, and that's why, you know, that animal proofing that structure, you know, when your home is protected, that animal has those alternate den sites in the neighborhood and, you know, they're just going to spend more time in those, those den sites as opposed to that, that one that we've evicted them out and excluded them from getting back in. So this isn't just, let's be nicer to the animals. This is based on science. We're, we're really looking at this as a more beneficial and environmentally conscious way of handling wildlife in urban centers. I mean, because obviously the more people, the more we're displacing said wildlife and the more it's encroaching on us. So right. how do we live more cooperatively with wildlife? I think, you know, be conscientious that, you know, the wildlife is all around us. You know, we'll do, we love videos and, and our YouTube channel has tons of videos on, on how we do our stuff and, 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 and photos we constantly take it, but we'll set up trail cameras. Sometimes, you know, a homeowner might have a, a skunk underneath their, their shed. 
So we'll put up a, a trail camera to see, you know, what goes on at nighttime. And there's a whole world out there, the cloak of darkness when, when we're sleeping. In one night, you know, we'll see, we'll catch on our cameras, not only a skunk, but we'll see a fox come through, a raccoon, a mouse, a rat, an opossum. There's a whole, you know, a lot goes on in the cloak of darkness that we as humans don't realize. So, um, you know, they are out there. So be conscientious they're out there, you know, keep your garbage in a secure container that animals can't get into. Always put your garbage out first thing in the morning, not the night before, because this is when the animals are out tipping over garbage cans and getting into the food sources. Um, and then most important, animal proof your home. Put screens on your chimneys, put screens on your roof vents, put screens on your vents on your walls. Any crack or crevice, you know, seal that up because these animals are opportunistic. If they can get a little crack or crevice, they can get their claws in or, or teeth into. You know, a squirrel will make a hole the size of a, of a baseball and then he'll be able to come and go. Uh, an American red squirrel only needs a, an opening the size of a, of a golf ball and, and he'll squeeze in. A mouse or a rat only need an opening the size of a dime and same with a bat. Uh, a raccoon will, will take that little crack and, and make it the size of a football. To get into your home so you know these animals are opportunistic so take those opportunities away from them you know protect your biggest investment of your life your home and you know yeah. you should be fine living in a city the next thing you'd have to do would be to live in a, a condo or an apartment building but then you're gonna have uh pigeons living on your balcony you're gonna need to net that off for the pigeons so you know you can't win uh there's as i said there's more animals nowadays in our urban centers than there is you know living out in the country yeah well, and I think that's important to say that that just because we don't see them doesn't mean they're not there. That's I mean, right. those unseen raccoons really got me because I don't see any raccoons, but they're there. We have some areas that we service, uh, you know, in Vancouver, uh, Victoria, British Columbia. You know, we do get a lot. There's a lot of bear activity in that oh. area or northern Ontario and Canada. There's some bear activity. You know, they might be in their decks or sheds, but. For the most part, you know, any animal, whether it's a, a bear or a, uh, an alligator or a big snake in Florida or, or Texas, same yeah, principles. I didn't even think about those things. Yeah, same, same principles apply. You know, if they're underneath a structure or in a structure, you know, we have the knowledge that how to animal proof that. So the once we get them out, they won't be able to get back in. And I have a whole crew of people here in Canada, the eighty that would, you know, couldn't wait to get down to Florida when we get a franchise in Florida and go deal with an alligator or, or a big snake or, or something yeah. like that. So I'd be on that plane too, because those would be pretty exciting jobs that I would imagine. And, and do that. Yeah. Before you know it, you'll be doing tarantulas too, you know? That's right. Out in yeah. the West. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but let me get this straight though. For bears, you just go in there. You just say, hey, bear. Well, we, we've had a couple of calls with bears where, you know, when we talk about what needs to be done, it might be a deck that's, you know, five feet off the ground and, you know, you got to net all that. But, you know, by the time bears are pretty nomadic and they just typically just move on. So we give a lot of free advice over the phone for, for homeowners that are calling in that, you know, kind of here, this is what you need to do some habitat modification that, you know, the animal just move on by, by its own accord. Mm -hmm. And you haven't had to deal with any really dangerous bears right probably the most dangerous we've dealt with and this is geez 25 30 years ago we had japanese snow monkeys that what? 
those? Yes. So Japanese stonewall macabres, they're, they're, they said about three, the adults would be about three feet high on, on all four. They're from the, uh, the mountains of Japan. So they're used to cold weather. They were living, or somebody had them at a private zoo just outside of uh, Niagara Falls. And this person opened the cage and let them out. So we got the call from the government that, you know, these monkeys were running loose and can you guys come and catch them? And, and we were kind of young and not as educated. Oh, yeah, we could do this. And we went out and it's almost like it was like we were in Africa. You know, we pull up and, and we see the, the gentleman. It's kind of more rural area. The gentleman walks out carrying a hockey stick. Canadian, he's got to carry a hockey stick, not a baseball bat. Um, and what's he got a hockey stick for? So anyhow, we look up in the trees, you know, 60 foot pine trees, and you see the monkeys swinging and jumping from tree to tree. And like, it was the coolest thing. And then what was happening was the female would go in a heat once a year, and she would try to mate with, with the homeowner. Um, so he was carrying that stick to kind of keep, not to hurt her, but kind of keep her at bay. Um, and these, these, this, this couple just loved these monkeys. They would go to, you know, Buffalo was 20 minutes over the border. They go to Buffalo, Buffalo Zoo and get primate food and they're feeding them. So the reason the government called this is the two young ones, there was a young male, he started showing his dominance and was, you know, attacking people. And they carry hepatitis, HIV, a lot of communicable diseases for us as humans. Anyhow, we use the, the, the gentleman as, as bait to catch the mother. We use the mother as bait to catch the two young ones. And then we said, okay, now we got these monkeys. Well, what are we going to do with them? We called Metro Toronto Zoo, said, we got some monkeys. Would you guys be interested? They're like, no, we can't take them. If we introduce them to a troop of monkeys at the Metro Toronto Zoo, they'd be killed instantly. Yeah. So we found another zoo about three hours away in Peterborough, Ontario, and, and they took the monkeys there. And... Um, the gentleman had to actually, uh, they sent him testing to the CDC in Atlanta to be tested because of, you know, HIV, HIV and hepatitis and what have you. Anyhow, he came back negative, but because he had all scratches all over his neck as, as the female oh. would kind of try and mate with him. So that's kind of our uh, most dangerous animal we've uh, captured to date. Heck and, of the story. Uh, yeah. It, it's just a fun and different, unique business that, yeah. you know, you're out there. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah. Sounds like it. So what yeah. haven't I asked you that you think, is there anything that you think uh, I haven't asked you that you'd like to include or that people should know? Um, maybe just that, you know, that, you know, we'd like to see this, our services, our humane services, you know, growing further across the U.S. because it really is, it really is tough when you, you know, people think just, especially now that we're in baby season that, you know, all across all these cities, people are, are thinking, oh, I'll just set a trap and, and they'll, they'll trap and they'll take that, that nursing female, you know, out to the country and let her go. And, and then these babies are left to die and rot and suckle on insulation in, in attics or in wall cavities. So just to, you know, educate that the trapping is definitely should never be done during birthing season from, you know, end of February into end of June, but even other times of year, because you know, in, in hotter climates, you know, if you put a trap out on a roof and you get a squirrel in a trap and it's it's on a roof in a hundred degree weather, you know, that animal is going to die a slow death of heat exhaustion and and your heat stroke. And same in, in northern climates, you know, you put a, a trap on a roof in Minnesota in the winter and you get a raccoon or a possum or a skunk in a trap. I mean, it's going to freeze to death by the next morning. So even though people think trapping these, these they call them so-called humane little box traps that the animal goes in there alive. Mm -hmm. 
but based on the weather and the birthing season, they really aren't very humane. So, you know, just in our opinion, you know, trapping really, really needs to be kind of reduced. And, you know, we'd love to see more companies do a more humane approach, such as what we do here at Skedaddle. You wouldn't mind the competition, sounds like. No, we, we don't mind competition. I'm a, being a former pro hockey player, a pretty competitive guy. And if there's a market we're in, we're going to be the best. So awesome. <laughs> Our line of work is it's every day's different. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Like, uh, we'll go to over 150 homes a day today in all of our locations. So there's always a story, whether it's a raccoon running around someone's bedroom or, uh, you know, in, in weird spots, like in a Home Depot, you know, we've had baby raccoons in a big barrel that we have to get out. So it just, it just never ends that some of these fun and fun jobs that are great visual from a, yeah. you know, whether video or TV show that, that are it out sounds there, like so. a reality TV show. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would invest, um, birds though. Birds must be tough, huh? Uh, yeah, no, we, we can handle that. Like, we've got birds like, like in a commercial setting, like a home Depot or Lowe's they'll nest up in the rafters. Yeah. So we have to net all that off. Um, birds will in a residential home, you know, a vent for your kitchen stove or your bathroom. Birds will nest in there. And everybody thinks the nest is this nice little round nest that you see on TV. You know, a long pipe, it, we can pull out two garbage bags full of nesting material. Wow. Um, and people always think, well, you know, you touch the birds, the parents aren't going to come back. That's a fallacy. We'll pick those birds out. We put, we put them on the wall. We seal off where they can't get in. We'll put a baby jug there. So the parents can come back and feed them. And it's a great educational tool, especially if, if a fam, you know, young family you know, have your kids watch and you'll see the parents feed them. And then, you know, they're going to, they're going to leave the nest. And another thing we're always educate, you know, if a bird is on the ground, don't pick it up. They're learning how to fly. They can only fly six to 10 feet for a couple of days before they get their real wings. Kind of like a toddler, you know, learns to crawl before he right. walks. Don't touch those birds. The parents are around, they're feeding them. So it's a lot of educating with that, you know, the birds leave, just knock our jug off the wall, your house is protected, but you, know, you use this as a great educational tool for your, for your children. Yeah. So it's always, always educating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep at it. I'm sure it's, it's, I mean, definitely respect and appreciate that. Your mission. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bill, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I will definitely have your link uh, either at the bottom of the screen or somewhere where it's easily accessible so folks can find out more about you. Oh, that's great. Excellent. Yeah. yeah.